It's greater than a 95% mortality rate in piglets under under 10 days of age, um, which that's if we we are a management strategy or practice that that is is commonplace in a PED elimination is is to humanely um, euthanize animals less than 10 days because of the impact of this virus on those animals. A whole new era of communication in the Canadian swine industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the Canadian and global swine industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Swinet Podcast Show Canada is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Swine Veterinary Partners comprises four well-established clinics across Canada. Precision Veterinary Services, Premier SHP, Demeter Veterinary Services, and Demeter Services Veterinaries. Our nutrition group includes four companies, Nutrition Athena, Shakespeare Mill, Farmhouse, and Nutrition Partners, which serve swine producers all across Canada. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Welcome to the Swinet Podcast Show Canada, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the Canadian and global swine industry. Welcome to Swinet Canada. My name is John Patience, and I'll be the host for today's podcast. With us today, we have Janelle Hamlin, who is Director of Swine Health at Manitoba Port, and she will be talking to us about Manitoba Port's initiative in reducing and hopefully eliminating PED from the Manitoba swine herd. Uh, welcome, Janelle. How are you today? Thank you so much, John. I'm doing very well today. We're good. Well, we're not going to change that, okay? Uh, a little fun. If you, talk, if you say talking about PED is fun, uh, which it really isn't, but we're going to uh, share some really valuable information, I'm sure. But before we do that, uh, Janelle, we're broadcast across Canada and indeed internationally, and not everybody's going to necessarily know who you are. Uh, and so perhaps just to give your background so people understand how you got to the position that you're in today, I think would be helpful to them. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm, um, I started off actually, well, from the very early days of my life, growing up on a, a beef farm in Manitoba's Inner Lake, and always had a love for, for animal agriculture and have uh, found my way here through a couple of degrees, a bachelor in, in microbiology and a master's of animal science, both from the University of Manitoba. And I spent uh, some time after graduation working with the provincial government in the ag department on a variety of different files, um, primarily in, um, in, beef, in the beef sector, as well as in emergency management. I worked in animal welfare for about a year. And um, I found my way to the swine sector, actually when, when we had our first major outbreak of, of PED in the province in 2017. Uh, being that I had experience working in emergency response, I was called into the Provincial Emergency Operations Center to help with the PED response, as I mentioned in, in 2017. And from there, I grew um, into, joining Manitoba Pork as, uh, as their Director of Swine Health to continue uh, fighting the good fight, I suppose, against PED uh, until today. Very good. Well, thanks for that, uh, that background, Janelle. Uh, sounds like you've had 
quite a lot of relevant experience, both on the technical side and on the administrative side, uh, in terms of dealing with emergencies and these kinds of issues. And Manitoba Pork's a, an organization that has a really good reputation, I believe, in the Canadian pig industry. So it sounds like we're going to learn lots from you today. So before or as we get started, perhaps for those of our audience that aren't familiar, and I doubt if there's very many, but just in case, can you tell us a little bit about what is PED, both in terms of uh, sort of what is the organism, how is it transmitted, and what happens when it gets into your barn? For sure, yeah. PED uh, is short for porcine epidemic diarrhea virus. It's uh, enveloped coronavirus. So during the, the COVID days, it was another nasty coronavirus that uh, we in the swine world were, were dealing with um, right at the same time. And uh, it's it's a particularly nasty pathogen in that it uh, it doesn't take a lot, very small volumes of of the virus, to really make a devastating impact on a farm. This this really is a, a piglet disease. It impacts piglets less than ten days old. Very, it's very devastating uh, to the point where it has very high mortality rates. Other classes of animals they they do get sick. Um, common symptom of, of diarrhea off feed. However, they do recover. Um, but what we've learned with PED is that periodic shedding can occur. And those animals that do recover still do present a risk to the overall swine sector or the region that they're in. So getting PED into a farm uh, or porcine epidemic diarrhea virus into, into a farm um, it's it's a bit of a, a road or a path to to clean up and to eliminate um, because as I mentioned it does take only a small amount of that virus to impact um, a herd and in order to ensure that naive animals or new animals that are brought into that farm aren't um, infected you need to make sure that when you're doing a barn cleanup it's done really really well okay so we'll we'll come to that in just, I'm sure in just a minute, but I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm also a scientist, Janelle, and I like numbers. Okay, so when you talk about uh, devastating mortality, can you put a number on that, please? And also, oh, it, it's greater than a 95% mortality rate in piglets under under 10 days of age. Um, which that's if we we are a management strategy or practice that that is is commonplace in a PED elimination is is to humanely um, euthanize animals less than ten days because of the impact of this virus on those animals, allowing them to succumb to the disease is is not a a practice that we recommend in that it. It severely it causes severe dehydration due to the high level, high amount of diarrhea that that those animals are um, they succumb to, and the dehydration will eventually lead to death, which that's it's not something that anyone likes to see happen. Right, and and we'll come back to that a little bit later on because I'd like to talk about the welfare implications as mm -hmm. well. But we'll we'll deal with that a little later. Sure. But the other quantitative thing that I'd like I'd I'd like if if it's possible, you say it, you know that the, the part of the nastiness of BED is both it's highly infectious and 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 it has a very high degree of mortality. And you say it takes a very small dose in order to cause infection, which then leads to death. So 
what kind of a dose are we talking about? Can you give us something quantitative? So producers thinking, oh my goodness, I if I'm cleaning a barn, I got to make sure that I don't have X number of virus particles in this barn because they can reinfect my herd. I don't know if that's a fair question or not. You know, John, the the, uh, the quantity that I've always used, and and it's it's not super scientific, but it's it's the tip of your pinky finger. Okay. Okay. That much virus is is how much is needed, and and we all know the the natural behavior of of um, pigs in a barn. They've got their noses down. They're exploring. They're finding and and being accustomed to their new environment if they're recently moved into to a facility, and um, finding that is not going to be difficult for them. Um, they they really do like to explore every every piece that they're that they are um, able to. You bet. Absolutely. So uh, let's move on then, uh, Janelle, and tell us a bit more about this initiative by Manitoba Pork and exactly what's, it, you know, maybe a little bit on what motivated Manitoba Pork to get involved as a producer association, and then what is the program? How are you going about this? For sure. So um, we first saw our first case of PED in Manitoba in 2014. Um, and through 2014, 2015, 2016, we had uh, less than 10 cases in that in those three years. It, it was not um, a lot. However, at the time, we we did feel like it was a lot. Uh, in in 2017, we we did see, as I mentioned, our our largest outbreak. Uh, actually, it's the largest animal disease uh, outbreak on record at that point. It was 80 cases of PED confirmed between April and October of 2017. And it was it, it was quite um, significant. We we learned a lot uh, about the virus at that point and and how it moved. And our producers and and our veterinarians and our stakeholders were were very willing to collaborate and and learn and share information as we all dealt with this this virus. Really, at at, at the greatest impact at that point. Uh, 2018, we saw a few cases, applied our lessons learned from 17, and then in 2019, we saw another large-scale outbreak. It was 82 cases in, in 2019 uh, and ran a very similar course, similar pattern to 2017. The epi curve or the epidemiological curve of those two outbreaks, you lay them over top of each other and, and they are markedly similar. We learned more in 2019 and, and put continue to put those those learnings into practice. But as I mentioned, the, this bug is unforgiving. Um, PED is is not is something that you think, okay, we've got different strategies, we've, we're figuring this out and it's always one step ahead. So, or at least one step ahead. But uh, in, in 2020, we continued to learn pandemic year and we only had three cases that year in, in all of 2020 and, and actually into almost October of 2021. And looking at what the world was doing in, in that time period, obviously we have no hard evidence and we'll never know if, if the pandemic played a significant role. But when you stop moving people, you stop moving, you stop moving pathogens. So it was a, it was an interesting time uh, for so many reasons, but related to PED, it was quiet, which I think was welcome after, uh, especially after 2019. However, in, in October of 2021, that really turned around and, and we did see 
a significant outbreak in beginning in October of 2021, and and we're still actually cleaning up and have a few few very few remaining cases um, that are almost through elimination as of today. So through 2021 uh, and into January of 2022, the epi curve was was still climbing. We were we were seeing increases in cases and fighting this virus in a, in a time of the year that we had never done that before. Our cases have, have normally started in, in the spring, looking at April, May, and we start seeing things really slow down um, and that epi curve coming to you know a flat line by the end of fall. So October, November is when we would see things leveling out um, and no new cases coming on board. Fighting a disease or a pathogen like PED in, in in a Manitoba winter is is not particularly easy. We had um, frigid frigid temperatures and disinfecting, trying to disinfect docks and and trailers and contact time and temperature fighting against you, uh, as well as feeling the the shortages, labor shortages uh, as a result of the coronavirus. It it really did create a bit of a perfect storm, and we found ourselves growing in, a, in an outbreak and we now see 2021-22 as our as our largest PED outbreak in in Manitoba which um, created some discussion around the sector and it it very much brought people together to say we don't want to see this anymore we don't want to be fighting PED to this extent greater than 100 cases, greater than 120 cases every two years, which is really what we saw 2017, 2019, 2021, into 2022. So it was decided around our uh, the Manitoba Pork Board of Directors table that we needed to bring the sector together and create a, a working group to discuss how we want to manage PED in Manitoba moving forward. And Manitoba Pork has been has been involved in the response to PED from the beginning. In 2014, when our new case, when our first cases were were identified, Manitoba Pork Council was was involved immediately in the emergency operations center led by Manitoba Agriculture, and that's continued. That has continued through 2017, 18, 19, 2021, and we're very fortunate to have that that close working relationship with our, our chief veterinary office to respond in a way that the industry is is right embedded into the EOC and we provide support and we can um, assist in the overall disease response. So when we when we're forming this future of PED working group, the chief veterinary office was absolutely at the table. We brought in producer representatives from uh, the impacted an impacted farm in, in the region of our province, which we call the high risk area, where PED has been the most prevalent, uh, which is the southeastern part of, of Manitoba. So we had producers who were directly impacted by PED over those major outbreaks sitting on the committee. We had producers from outside of the high risk area who have never had PED sitting on that working group, really bringing that perspective of what's happening for a, a swine producer outside of it looking at what's happening and 
how the decisions that are made for that high-risk area could impact other parts of the province. So that was a great perspective to have. We had uh, veterinarians representing our different organizations. Um, Manitoba has, has two large integrated companies that produce in our province as well as um, independent farmers. So we tried to create a working group that re represented the entirety of, of our Manitoba swine sector because we will we would we will need all stakeholders who are involved to agree on how we are going to move forward. So the creation of this working group, um, our first meeting was February of 2022, and we created a mandate of coming together to work specifically on looking at how we want to manage PED in Manitoba moving forward, leaving our individual interests at the door, coming together and talking about what works best for the entire province of Manitoba. And the working group members really committed. They, they came to the table and they brought their experiences dealing with PED and the lessons that we've all learned and their willingness to, to collaborate and to, um, to benefit the province of Manitoba working against this, this bug that is, has been proven to be very difficult for us. So uh, I'm very pleased with, with how the working group came together and the, and the work that we've done in this space. Okay, very good. So kind of a, a frustrating trend. How, how does the incidence of PED in Manitoba compare uh, this sort of every two year kind of uh, schedule that you're involved in? Uh, or that you're experiencing, how does that compare to other Canadian provinces? How does that compare to other countries that have been affected with PED? Well, in terms of other Canadian provinces, I think we're fairly unique in in our production. Um, we have we have an area of our of our province, uh, southeastern Manitoba, that our high risk area for PED, um, where we have fairly high density of of hog farms that we've learned have um, contributed or what we've, we believe has been a high contributor to, to regional or area spread. So our geography coupled with our, our distribution of hog farms has lent itself to a, an easy, um, I shouldn't say easy maybe, but it, it doesn't hurt that we've got the, the flat prairie um, with minimal, like minimal tree cover and the, like I say, the proximity of, of the number of hog farms that we have, uh, it does create, um, well, an easy way for, for virus to move. So in terms of other Canadian provinces, our, our regional um, distribution has certain, is certainly different than, right. than other right. parts of the country. So when we see PED kind of take hold in that part of the province, it, traditionally what we've seen is that it tends to really take off quickly. Whereas in other provinces, you see a case here, a case there, um, but their, their farms are spread out and in different parts of, of their provinces. I have had similar experience or what's been relayed to me uh, in areas of the United States that have the same uh, landscape, the same distribution of hog farms as us here in, in Manitoba. They've experienced similar 
trends and pathways of, of contamination from PED as we have. So the difference I think there between how it's managed in the United States and how it has been managed here in Manitoba is that there have been differences in, in that management strategy. Um, we've always taken, or we have always taken a, an elimination approach to, to PED. So our, our plan, our elimination plan, uh, isn't different in that being our end goal. What's different is how we're going to achieve it. So maybe that's a great segue into the strategy that you have developed for the elimination of PED. So this has been, uh, like I say, since February of 2022, we've been working on um, what we, what is the best path forward for Manitoba? So our first step was to figure out if elimination remained the best option for Manitoba. So we worked with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine and commissioned a report through um, their swine department to review and analyze exactly that. What are the what are the different PED management strategies that are being used in other jurisdictions in the United States, particularly because they had the same um, geographical and swine sector distribution as us in, in Manitoba. Because that was very important as to determine what would make sense for, for us. So coming out of that report, it, it was really uh, an excellent overview of different experiences with different strategies. And the takeaways we got from that was that every strategy, no matter what you employ, whether it be running positive flows, whether it be um, being, endem being endemic, allowing the, the virus to become fully endemic, whether it's elimination, all of these strategies work best when employed collectively. So if you're trying to, to do and run endemic, or sorry, run positive flows and eliminate, you know, farm side by side, neither are gonna perform well. The way to success with any of the management strategies that were that were um, provided to us was exactly that. They, they needed to be applied in, in a regional way. They also, the other takeaway message from, from the report was, no matter the, the strategy that you move forward with, they all come with effort and, and time. And doing them well means that they are, they are quite labor intensive. So to say, well, we're just going to let this thing go. We're going to live with it. We're going to become endemic. Um, that doesn't quite, it doesn't work quite that way, or it's not quite that easy, I suppose. And, and that was something that I learned as well because you're constantly managing PED, uh, particularly in your sow farm, because of the impact that it has on those piglets less than 10 days old. And if it's constantly around, you're fighting it all the time. Whereas with elimination, this is how we found our way back to elimination, I suppose, is that yes, you are fighting it and you are removing it from your farm and that takes a lot of time and effort However, once it's gone, you're not constantly fighting it within your system. So ultimately, we landed on elimination for a few reasons. The, the fact that everybody doesn't, didn't want to have PED always around. It was, and that coupled with the fact that when you're 
when you're running positive flows, you are needing to expose naive animals. And the level of virus that would be around constantly, it, it quickly was decided that this wasn't a strategy that we were interested in, in pursuing. So coming back to elimination, it was, it was also um, vocalized that the majority of our, of our infections, our PD infections have been in that one part of our province. And if we did allow, or if we did say we were gonna become endemic, that greatly impacts so much, so many other producers and, and uh, stakeholders throughout the rest of Manitoba. Um, like I say, we, we have we have kept it fairly isolated in in that one part of our province. And if we decided to to not continue to manage it through elimination, the rest of the province who historically haven't had a PED issue, their risk goes exponentially higher. And that wasn't something that we were very excited about. <laughs> managing PED in one part of the province is one thing. Managing PED across the entire province is, is quite a different scenario. So we found our way to, to elimination really for those two reasons. And we wanted to look at it in a way of exactly that. Well, how is this going to be different from what we've already been doing? And we have learned a lot about how to manage this disease from each of the times that we've fought it in that in that, those large scale outbreaks. And a lot of improvements have been made to biosecurity on farm, to transport biosecurity. And all of those are fantastic takeaways that do not only apply to PED, it applies to any other uh, pathogen that potentially could be knocking on your door. So we took that, um, we took those lessons and, and we, toss them around and like, okay, what can we do that will really make an impact? And where we landed was when we first see a case of PED, because we were in, we didn't have our heads in the sand to think, well, no, we're, we're going to eliminate it straight away. And because we have seen cases come up, um, even when we haven't had a lot of cases on, like I say, it's been kind of every two years, we've still seen a few. Um, so when we do see those cases, it was decided we really need a rapid and aggressive response. Okay, how are we gonna do it? So when we see cases, it's, it's locking that farm down. It's quickly perf performing the elimination protocol, which, which begins with exposing your, locking down your herd, exposing your herd, and, um, and essentially allowing the, the herd to cool off and begin your, your, your cleaning and disinfection. One of the main uh, other main components of the plan related to that rapid and, and aggressive elimination or response, I should say, is related to animal movement. We have found through our disease responses that upwards of 60% of our cases have been as a result of, of either indirect or direct animal movement. So we really looked hard at that and said, okay, what can we do to, to essentially minimize or eliminate that risk? And written in the plan is a full stop movement on those impacted farms for four weeks. So we're not moving highly shedding animals off farm. And our producers and our veterinarians, we discussed this a lot. Like, is this feasible? Can we do this? And what's the, what's the overall um, outcome gonna be on the farm as well as downstream? 
And it was decided that looking at the level of risk that is around those movements, it, it really was um, something that we needed to address. So working with our veterinarians, they're, of course, very heavily involved in any PED response, but they were, they are going to be very involved, obviously, on farm, working within that four-week stop movement, because we, the last thing we want is for um, any issue on farm as a result of this recommendation to not move animals for four weeks. And we, we've talked through those scenarios. Are we going to need to, to, well, you will need to manage stocking densities and looking, looking at space requirements on farm as these animals grow, because they are going to continue to grow over those four weeks. So, but having that in place will eventually help eliminate or reduce our total number of cases of PED through potentially downstream or moving the virus downstream in, as part of a flow or moving highly shedding animals and creating a, a greater viral load in the environment to potentially infect others through area spread or a biosecurity breach. If I understand correctly, then Janelle, uh, one thing that you do when there is a break. So the, the program really is initiated when a farm breaks. And the first thing that you do is you try to uh, expose all of the breeding herd to the virus uh, as quickly as possible so that everybody's going through this at the same time. And that narrows the window of, of uh, mortality, et cetera. And then number two, you close the, the farm down so there's no movement of animals, cull sows or market hogs from that farm in that four week period to prevent transmission. Okay. And okay. actually, John, just to, to add to that, um, and I probably should have led with this is the plan really does start actually prior to our first case. Uh, we've, we've created a, a prevention stream as well. Uh, part of the elimination plan is, is to actively prevent PED from getting a hold of our farms in the first place. So working with uh, a surveillance plan, so looking at how we can, we can uh, implement regular on-farm surveillance, so doing environmental sampling on-farm, but also pre-movement testing of, of animals, especially in that high-risk area of Manitoba, so that southeastern part of Manitoba. So whenever we're moving animals, can we give them a test to see if we're unknowingly moving this to other farms? Um, whether, especially if it's coming outside of that high-risk area and in other parts of, of Manitoba. So um, the surveillance piece is, is something different that we've, we've learned from previous outbreaks and, and we really want to adopt in a, in a large-scale way um, in that high-risk area. The other part of the prevention piece is, is stepping up on our biosecurity. And again, we've learned a lot from the past few years. We've implemented a lot. But we want to continue to to improve and we want to continue to educate and train and maintain that that biosecurity mindset uh, in the sector and this goes beyond the high-risk area i mean obviously that's the main part where we're concerned but practicing um, enhanced biosecurity in other parts of the province if you have other pathogens that are nearby perhaps uh, the principles are are the same so continuously educating and and uh, and learning and and reaching out to to the sector uh, from Manitoba pork's perspective about biosecurity but also on farm uh, and our veterinarians are 
and our producers are excellent to resources of information and, and getting that those protocols and those principles of biosecurity uh, to their their farms. So the prevention piece is probably where I should have started, uh, and that's really where we where we want we're putting in a lot of effort now, getting those that information out and and working with our different farms to to adopt that surveillance system. Yeah, it's um, yeah it's a complex topic, and we're we're getting close to the end of our time, Janelle, and I apologize for that. Uh, just one technical question that I have when you mention about walking down a farm with respect to, to um, marketing of animals, um, is that a potential problem? Because the Canadian grading system is pretty tight with respect to uh, penalties for overweight or underweight animals. Um, so is this something that producers are facing and that is that animals being kept on the farm are going to be well above the optimum market weight and therefore discounted? Is, is that part of what they're facing? We have seen that, John, for sure. Um, unfortunately, like you say, it, it, if you break late in in the flow, it, it, it can impact that and, and we have seen that for sure. Um, the timing of when you break with PED, unfortunately, you, you know, we have no control over. Um, well, we, we and, and so yes, there have, there have been those situations where pigs are, are higher than or exceed the, that that window of, of optimal uh, production but um, I'll mention what and I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure the folks there will be familiar with this but in case they're not uh, during COVID um, and and when there was problems with getting animals to market uh, because of uh, illness in the packing sector um, we uh, we a number of, of people, uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, both embarked on uh, programs of feed, developing feeding programs that would slow or stop the growth of pigs. Now there's a penalty to be paid for that. Fortunately, the feed cost goes down, um, but the animals will become a little bit fatter. And therefore, um, but anyhow, if you wanted to get any more information on that, you can get in touch with me and I can put you in touch with the right people to give you more details on that. But that, that would be excellent, John. That's actually yeah, something that yeah. we're looking at for our, our ASF planning, um, looking at different uh, diets and, and, and how we can um, manage if, if that ever happens. But yeah, I would, I would really appreciate that information. It's time for our famous three. Unfortunately, our time is running out and I have three questions for you uh, that I I uh, mentioned to you the beginning, and that is, uh, can you name, um, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, a book that in the swine area that you would recommend as being very good reading? It's a book that you value in, in your world. Well, it, it's not really a book, John, but um, ways that I like to keep current on, on what's happening in the swine world, and no surprise, it's are all very health uh, oriented and related. Um, yeah. but I work very closely with uh, the Canada West Swine Health Intelligence Network, and they they produce uh, four reports every year, uh, quarterly reports, and they provide uh, an excellent overview of of the challenges and uh, potentially the the, well, the pathogen challenges that are we're facing in in Western Canada uh, each quarter. And coupling on that, the Canadian Swine Health Intelligence Network uh, takes information from the different 
uh, regional networks in Canada and combines information um, to create their quarterly reports. So between those two, um, I really keep current with our Canadian swine health uh, issues. Um, I also really enjoy the Swine Health Information Center monthly updates uh, that Dr. Paul Sundberg puts out. So keep a good tabs on what's happening in the United States through through that monthly publication. Great. Uh, and then my second question is, what uh, what's your favorite book or resource outside the swine world? So is there a book that you've read that you've particularly enjoyed or would recommend? My favorite is a very old classic. Um, I fell in love with the book Pride and Prejudice when I was a teenager, mm. and I've yep. read it yep. probably, oh, a dozen times. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of my favorites, and I would recommend it to anybody who loves um, that type of literature. Very good. And our final question then is that, uh, in your opinion, what is the characteristic of um, successful people in the swine area that sets them apart from the rest of the world? What, what makes them successful? You know, I think one of the big things that, that I found coming into the swine world was really the, the adaptability of the producers and the stakeholders and the collaboration, that part of it, I, I really enjoyed. There wasn't a person who I ever talked to that didn't tell me everything that they wanted, that that made them really excited or what they were doing in this swine world. And, and I found that to be so welcoming and wonderful, the passion and the creativity and the willingness to try new things and share their ideas. Um, and particularly working through these disease responses as well, you, you get to know producers, you get to know veterinarians and stakeholders and service providers. And everybody really was willing to to share and to help and to benefit the overall disease response in this case um, for PED specifically. So I think that that has led to a lot of the successes that we've we've achieved. And and I consider this elimination plan to be a success. We came together um, as a sector to develop it, and now we are working to implement it. And for anybody who's interested in, in more information on what we've developed, I'd be happy to share. I'd be happy to to have a phone call or or a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting, whichever platform, and discuss further because uh, I think we we just scratched the surface here today, John, and and there's a lot more detail that that we could dive into. Great. Well, that's a that's a great way to uh, to wrap up our podcast for today, Janelle. Thank you so very much. Could I just um, actually, I don't think I mentioned the overall goal of what we were doing for the elimination plan. So our elimination plan has set out to reduce our PD infections in Manitoba, our cases uh, by 96% over five years. So we've outlined a plan that started in 2022 and we've outlined goals that we want to achieve by 2027 over time. So this isn't going to happen overnight and we didn't anticipate that when we, when we wrote the plan. And a, a main uh, component of the, the stepwise process is reducing those total numbers of cases of PED that we've seen uh, by 50% year over year. And we've also worked to shorten the amount of time it takes for a farm to eliminate PED. Uh, we've learned that obviously the longer time that a farm is positive, the more, or the more virus and the longer the virus 
um, is present in um, in the environment in in our region. So if we can act quickly and aggressively and and eliminate the virus from the farm in as short a time as possible, we'll be able to uh, minimize that risk of further infection uh, from cases that we already have. Okay, great. Okay, well, thanks for adding that, uh, Janelle. Um, and unfortunately, the time has run out, so we'll have to bring the, the conversation to a close. But thanks very much, uh, Janelle Hanlon from Manager Report, the manager of swine disease. Uh, you've uh, given us some very valuable and, and interesting information today, and uh, really appreciate the time that you've given us. So thank you very much, Janelle. Thank you very much for having me, John.